Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It's so good to be with you this morning and to be back and take every opportunity really, really seriously. Uh, Waiting on God, you know, when you've been doing this for about 40 years, it's easy to pull out a an old sermon and just sort of touch it up a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's what God wants to say, because the truth that He shares with us stay for us, stay with us forever. And so they're truths that never go stale. But I've always felt I can't just pull one out. I have to have the now Word of God. And so about five o'clock this morning, woke up and felt some clarity come. And so I've been preparing. This is straight out of the oven this morning. Uh, and so um, I hope it uh, tastes good and, uh, and it blesses you. But tonight also I'm going to prepare this this afternoon. So I'm telling you so I don't pull out. Uh, this afternoon I'm going to prepare a message on how not to waste your disappointments. I want to share a message. If you don't normally come out at night, it's going to give you practical help. I'm going to share a little bit of my life and say, this is what disappointment has done to me, but this is what I've had to learn to do with it. I'm going to look at the life of Joseph that didn't waste a moment of disappointment, whether it was in a pit, whether it was in Potiphar's house, whether it was in a prison or whether it was in the palace. Never wasted a moment. And if we're going to have disappointment, we might as well turn it into His appointment and, uh, and do something powerful with that. And so I'm going to share with you the lessons I've learned in my disappointments because I want to finish my race strong. It's not well done, good and famous servant. It's well done, good and faithful, full of faith. I don't just want to stand at the end. I want to be full of faith in the end. And so tonight we're going to look at that. But you know, uh, it was good to come back this morning and see that you haven't evacuated. And uh, last time I was here, I talked about evacuate or evaluate. And, uh, and so we had a great time at the 8.30 service. I don't know how this one's going to go. It'll probably be a little different. But, you know, um, I was on a plane when I got that thought about Christians when there's a little bit of turbulence. We can tend to want to evacuate rather than stop and evaluate. This time I was on another plane just the other day. And I got a really corny thought, but it actually has deep thoughts to it, very uh, deep truth to it. And it's, let's spend a little less time on Facebook and a little bit more time in our faith book. And so there you go. See if you can remember that one. And, uh, uh, and so today I want to speak to you about the beauty, the awesome privilege of living with revelation and not just reason. I believe I have a word for this church. And I believe the Word is God is about to take this house deeper, a lot, lot deeper in the knowledge of revelation that's going to release multiplication for the future of what God wants to do in and through this house. And so what I bring to you, I want you to judge it because I believe Pastor Tony will listen. He listened to the other one I did and he rang me up and he said he got really ministered by it. And I go, oh, that's great. Fantastic. Because uh, he's the boss. But I want to say this morning that I really do believe in my heart that I have a word of confirmation to what I think God's going to be saying to you guys in the coming months about living a life in revelation rather than just reason. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 16 this morning. And I'm going to read from the Message Bible a few verses and then to the NLT for a couple more. In Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, 
he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God Himself, lets you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock that... that this is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expensive, I mean, sorry, expansive <laughs> with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to stop to keep it out. Friends, we've seen amazing things in the church. I don't want to be negative this morning, but we haven't seen this church yet. A church where the gates of hell are trying to hold us back, where we're coming against the gates of hell and they can't hold us down. And I wanna tell you, it's gotta be more than an Andrew Bolt on Channel 10 or now on Sky News that says to the church, come on, rise up, be who you're meant to be. The world is stirring the church and go be the church you're meant to be. And I wanna tell you, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ when we are come against the works of darkness as the church of Jesus Christ. That's the day I'm looking forward to and I'm praying and believing for, but that's not all. You will have complete access to God's Kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. And yes, on earth is yes in heaven and no on earth is no in heaven. And then in verse 23 or 21 of the same chapter, I read it from the NLT version, from then on, Jesus began to tell His disciples plainly that it was necessary for Him to go to Jerusalem and that He would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, He would be raised from the dead. But Peter took Him aside and began to reprimand Him. Isn't it amazing? Peter's giving Jesus some advice. Hey, Jesus, you need to listen to me. Heaven forbid, Lord. He said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Here we see Peter have a moment of incredible revelation. You're the Christ. And he gets told, flesh and blood didn't give you this. My Father in heaven gave you revelation of who I am. And then five minutes later, Jesus, don't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. And He says, get thee behind me, Satan. And He goes from revelation to reason in such a short time and we all do it. I do it in my own life. I do it in my personal life. I know when I'm in the moment of reason, sitting in a chair, I don't know if I wanna do this anymore. I don't know if I wanna keep going. I think I've done enough now. I've served the church for 40 years. I've gone through a lot of pain. We've lost a son. We've had this, we've had that. God will understand if I just go back to the menswear. Do you know how many times I say it to my wife, Sharon? She doesn't even take any notice. <laughs> and I go from reason to revelation of knowing who He is and from revelation to reason. And as I look at Australia and I see the mess that this country is in and the Western world, it's because people have lost their identity. They don't know who they are because Jesus says to Peter, listen, He says, when you find out who I am, I'll show you who you are. 
we have a world that doesn't know who He is. And because they don't know who He is, they don't know who they are. And no amount of facelifts. Man, some of those lip enhancements, double-breasted lips, you think, where did they come from? All because we're trying to look like somebody else or a different version of us because we don't like the us because we haven't been told by Him who we are because we don't know who He is. And here, right at the beginning of this revelation, God establishes in Peter His identity. He brings him to clarity and He guarantees prosperity. What a way to live that when we know who He is by revelation, then we know who we are, we have identity. It doesn't matter how big, how short, how wide, hair or no hair, hair today and gone tomorrow. I spend more time shaving the inside of my nose than my head. (laughs) Mate, trimming that hair around your beard, uh, around your beard, around your ears. Try to get them all out there and you know, the ones in the nose, I sneezed one day, I whiplashed myself. Anyway, so, oh no. That's really bad. That's really bad. It's the medication I'm on this morning. (laughs) You know, it was more spiritual in the first service. But anyway, our identity is not found in how buff we are or how we look. That's all good stuff. There's nothing wrong with that within reason. But our identity is finding out who He is and then He shows us who we are. And when He shows us who we are, we have identity, we have clarity and we have prosperity. Hey, Peter, when you get hold of this, you're gonna be part of a church that's so expansive, so powerful that no matter what happens, the gates of hell will not be able to hold you back. That's the kind of God I believe in through thick and thin this morning as long as I stay in Revelation. We go over to Matthew 16 and I won't look it up, but just share the story of one day when no, in this Scripture I've just read to you, Peter goes from Revelation to reason. In this next passage of Scripture, he goes from reason to Revelation. He's a fisherman. He's a reasonably good fisherman. He understands through reason how to fish. He's been out all night, catches nothing. And you know, the truth is, There was lots of fish in that lake. The facts were he caught nothing. Sometimes we let the facts get in the way of truth. And so what happens is because reason keeps us in the facts, truth keeps us in revelation. And so what happens is that Jesus says to Peter, I want us to push away from the shore of reason. And I want us to go deeper into the lake of revelation. And so what happens uh, as that happens, we see that Peter struggles through his reason. He really struggles with it. He goes, but I'm a fisherman, Jesus. We've done this all night. We've already mended our nets and we're ready for another day, but not now. But I'm so glad that if you go deeper, you have to be someone that pushes away from the shore of reason. You know something in the church, the devil hangs around in the realm of reason. Now, not just for pastors, but for all Christians. You see, for me, as I look back over my life, everything I've done that God's blessed hasn't made sense. Leave Modbury with more debt than we started, to go down south from a church of 3,000 people to go down to 40 people. We had overhead projectors again. I think I thought we'd pass that era. We go from screens to overhead projectors and we call that prosperity. I'm 37 years of age and I've got more debt now than when we started. And God, you're leading us. It certainly didn't look like revelation when I looked through the eyes of reason. 
But I'm so glad that 22 years ago, we didn't submit to reason and we responded to the revelation. And today there's been a multiplication because of the response to that revelation. Because when God speaks, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but in your spirit, you can know and know and know. Driving down South Road one day, And I look at a building, which is now the Renella building. And the Lord says, that is your building. Doesn't make sense to the natural. It doesn't make any sense to the natural mind. You're in an office talking to the owner and you say to him, oh, is this building up for sale? He goes, nah. I said, well, we'd like to have a look at maybe possibly coming to this building. He goes, well, it's not available. How much money have you got if it was available? Nothing. What are you doing talking to me? His name was Thorold. And he was an old man then, sitting up in his office. He died recently in his late 80s. But when he died, just before he died, not when he died, but before he died, he asked people to take him to his building. He'd never been in our church from the day we moved in there to just before he died and cried when he walked in the building to see what had been done. He said to me one day, I wanted to build a community building that would touch the community. We ran out of money and we turned it into the Ranella markets. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could turn it back into a community? And I remember walking down, driving down South Road, God saying, that's your building. The following Sunday at uh, O'Halloran Hill, I'm walking out of church. A lady comes up to me. She goes, Pastor Danny, I don't know why I have to give you this, but there's a passage of Scripture in the book of Ezekiel that I read this week. And it's about the markets being turned into a community. And he said, and I don't know what markets means to you. It doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm just being obedient. God told me to give it to you. And she didn't know I'd driven past the markets when God said, that is your building. How do you reason that? What Bible school can teach you how to find that? You know, what university can give you a degree in understanding those things? No, it comes by revelation. And I wanna tell you friends, every decision I've made in my life because of revelation has taken my family forward, has taken me forward. It's taken my life forward. I was telling the 8.30 service how one day I'm working in the menswear store and my wife's here, Sharon, she can attest to the story. And a man walks in, long beard. Uh, He looked like a, I don't know if you've ever seen Duck Dynasty, but um, you know, he looked like a real bogan, but he wasn't really bogan. He just had big, long beard long hair. He comes into the menswear store to buy a pair of trousers because he was going to a disco. That's how long ago that was. For you young people under 40 here today, a disco is a nightclub. And so uh, in case you don't know what a disco is, you know, and uh, he couldn't wear jeans. He only had one pair of jeans. So I'm selling him his trousers and the revelation of God inside of me says, take this guy home for lunch. I've never met this guy in my life before. To cut a long story short, that afternoon, that guy came home with me when we shut the shop to Ingle Farm. Sharon and I were living at Ingle Farm. Sharon and her sister Yvonne had been cooking all day. There was plenty of food. And he turns up at our house, stays at our house for a few hours. Then I'm taking him around Adelaide. And I just asked him a stupid question. There was a movie out called The Exorcist that had just come out. And I said to him, have you seen that movie, The Exorcist? And he goes, why did you say that? And he freaked out. He said, I watched that movie and I've been sleeping with a light on ever since after watching that movie. And I am messed up in my mind. Why did you pick that movie? And as we start talking, I tell him I'm in a church where I attend, I was a menswear salesman. I attend a youth group at Clemsick on OG Road or on Main Northeast Road. And I said, you know, you're going to the disco tonight. He'd ridden a push bike from Brisbane to Adelaide. 
over a two or three week period. And he was only in Adelaide for a weekend. And I said, look, you want to come to youth group instead of the disco tonight? Just come and see my world and what I'm involved in. He goes, I don't want religion jammed down my throat. He says, but, you know, I'll try anything once. He tried new age, you know, hug the trees, hug the whales, kill the snails, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he comes to youth that night. Altar call is given. He's the first guy to put his hand up. He comes walking down the front. I had to go and stand behind him and tell him he could put his hand down again because he just kept it up the whole time. <laughs> Within a couple of days, he's baptised in the Holy Spirit. Hangs his bike up on Sunday night in somebody's shed. One of the guys that we took him out of YMCA and he went and stayed with one of our youth guys. And on Monday, he enrols in Bible school. Later, he marries one of the girls at church. They couldn't have children, so they adopted two beautiful boys. He's still living in Adelaide today, still serving Jesus as a Christian. And you know, um, it started with a moment of revelation. It just started with a moment. There was a guy around the corner in the Victoria Square Arcade who used to run a record store. He used to sell heavy metal records. And one day I'm just walking around the corner and this moment of revelation, ask him if he wants a lift home tonight. And I'm going, he doesn't even know me. I mean, you wouldn't do that these days. But anyway, I said to him, John, I knew his name was John. That's why I called him John. I said, John. I mean, if his name was Fred, I wouldn't have called him John. So I said, John, sorry. It's bad, eh? I said, John, do you want to lift home tonight? How do you get to work? Because I drive every day. I bring my own car, but my car's getting fixed and I came by bus today. I said, where do you live? He said, I live at Holden Hill. I said, right, do you want to lift home? He goes, I'd love to. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're going up Paynham Road. We get to the Magpie Corner because I can remember it to this day. And I just plucked up the courage as I'm driving my 1969 Fairlane with three gears on the column. Man, that was a big, beautiful, Sharon's favourite car. She loved that car. And so um, anyway, we're driving along. We get there to the Magpie Corner and I turn around. I go, John, do you believe in God? <laughs> just let it out there. And he goes, no, but I want to. That night, John came to our house. We were in a band called Emmanuel and Sharon was, had prepared food and we were having the, a rehearsal, a prayer time at our house, Alan Gray, who was the youth pastor then. And John gave his heart to the Lord in our house that night. Today, John is at Influences Church. He's married to Krista Menelau. Um, they've had children. Uh, he was a uh, warden at Yatla Prison serving Jesus Christ. The other guy that came in I told you about, his family in Peace River, Canada, could not believe what had happened to their son and to their brother. They came over from overseas to come and see what had happened to their son. Two of the brothers gave their lives to Christ. They went back to Canada, started working with Salvation Army with soup kitchens and started reaching their community. And all of that happened out of just that little thought on the inside of revelation. Reason doesn't make sense. It says, why would you even bother doing this? But oh, what a Christian life to live when you can live it by revelation and see the multiplication that God brings. You see, when Peter 
moved away from the shore of reason where all the people are is the shore of reason and reason will always hold you back because reason makes sense where revelation doesn't make sense in the natural. But all over 22 years, it didn't make sense to renovate the children's hospital. It didn't make sense to do some of the things we did. We didn't have the money to renovate high schools and now over a thousand schools all over the world. And up in Queensland, there's a guy called Chaz Gulo and Chaz Gulo in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast has renovated school after school and the school they've not that long ago renovated was led by a Muslim headmaster who's turned around and said to the church, we need the church in our world and we love what the church is doing. Why? For some unreasonable moment. That was a moment of revelation and go, wow, look at the multiplication. So Peter comes back from the deep and he comes back with more fish than they can handle. He's got a contribution. He's got an impartation to go into partnership with other boats. I prophesy this morning that there are churches that are gonna lean on this house. There are smaller boats that are gonna say to Victory Church, can you help us? Can you help us understand how to carry fish? Can you help us how to clean fish? Can you help us to know how to feed people with fish? And this house out of revelation, You may not always feel totally ready, but God will take you from reason to revelation and release this place to a multiplication anointing where there'll be cooperation and supernatural impartation. Oh my goodness. You know, when God... Yeah, come on. Thank you. Bless you. I believe it's a word from God. You know, the thing I've discovered about revelation, you never get a big head. When Peter saw all those fish, he could have got to the shore and goes, you see that? Unbelievable, eh? I always knew I had it in me. I always thought I was a little bit awesome. Praise me, worship at my footstool. How great I art. He falls on his face. Get away from me, God. I don't deserve this. Unbelievable. I'm unclean. God, I don't deserve what you've done. And you know, Jesus doesn't push Peter away, but just stays with him. And shows him, without me, Peter, you can do nothing. You know, my mind goes back to 1 Peter chapter 5. And you know, 1 Peter chapter 5 is now written by Peter years later. He's in his 80s. He's, 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 he's writing in 1 Peter 5 and he's saying, shepherd the flock, cast all your care upon him. And he makes a whole lot of statement. Be alert, don't fall asleep. Stay spiritually strong. What was Peter doing in 1 Peter 5? He was sharing his testimony. He wasn't giving instruction to the elders of the day. He was telling his story. When he said to the elders, cast all your care upon him. I wonder if Peter's thinking back to the night when Jesus is out on the the water and he's asleep in the boat and Peter comes and shakes Jesus and goes, don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? Now, as an old man, he goes, cast all your care upon him. Let me tell you my story. See, what I'm doing this morning is I'm telling you my story. And over 22 years... I'm still one decision away from becoming a total idiot. Just one decision. I don't know what I'm doing, but he knows what he's doing. And if I stay in revelation, then I can be kept by God to see the miracle that he has for each one of us come to pass. It was only two weeks ago, I had three prophecies in a row by total strangers. In every part that I was preaching, I was in New Zealand a week and a half ago. Pastor Danny, we don't know what this means. But 30 years ago, you were connected to something that was a strong tree. It wasn't a little plant. And so God 
Over the years, you've said, God, do you still have something for me to do in some of the worlds that I thought you were gonna take me into? And he said, God's gonna bring those worlds back to you and God is gonna restore. I'm in Perth, I'm sitting with um, Jared Kean, Pastor Jared Kean. I'm saying, Jared, I, I don't know whether God's finished with me with Europe. I don't particularly want long flights and I hate jet lag. And, but I know 30 years ago, God put something in my heart about Europe and the UK and somewhere along the line, it sort of seemed to have gone left field. Talking to Jared, I get a text. I get a text by Leo Bigger from Zurich. Pastor Danny, we've been praying, we've been inviting you to come and train our pastors next year as 360 pastors from around Europe are gonna gather together. Are you available to come? Let me tell you, I'd rather live one day in Revelation and trust that God will bring it to pass even when it looks like it's gone some left field way. I wanna trust the Revelation rather than just observation and reason. And I believe as I look back, and please, there's no hidden agenda in me saying this. This is not a hidden message to anyone in this room. Please understand. But all the people that have left Edge Church over 22 years that I was pastoring it were people that reacted to our revelation. And they left out of reason. And now 22 years later, some of them are coming home and realise that the revelation, I had prophecy sent to me. This is the beginning of the end for you. I remember when we had to go from downstairs to upstairs at Renella, and I get a letter. Who do you think you are? Aren't you happy with the congregation God's given you? Why do you have to go upstairs? It's all about you, isn't it? If you don't know the why behind my what, don't judge my what. People will judge you by what's inside of them. Oh, sorry. That was the devil. Rebuke that one. And the revelation to renovate communities, the revelation to do missions different than we did it before. I remember the day when God said, shut down the missions department of the church and make the whole church missional. Have a church that's missional. Don't just push it to a department so that you give out a guilt. Start owning. And then to have Pastor Jonathan this week send a picture to Sharon and I of our, our son in, in, in Cambodia that we support. And he's sending a hello picture back to us and realising the day when God said to me, just don't have a department called missions where you're paying for people to go and visit missionaries. Make the whole church missional. Make the whole church missional. Fantastic revelation. I'm sitting in a meeting. I might have shared this one with you before, but I'm sitting in a meeting and uh, uh, what's his name um, from One Nation One Day? Um, Dominic Russo. Dominic Russo's preaching at a, at a night meeting on a Tuesday night at Edge and I'm sitting on the front row and I just get, I might have shared this with you and I got the thought, break the rules, break the rules, break the rules. And I'm thinking, why would you say something like that? And I couldn't shake it. So Pastor Jonathan gives me the microphone. I come up to, to uh, Dominic Russo standing on the platform. I said, Dominic, I've just got this word from God. I think it's God. Break the rules, break the rules, break the rules. And he tears up, pulls out his phone. He said, this morning I was praying and I said, God, do you want me to finish the book? I don't know if I've got time to finish my book. Pulls out his mobile phone, opens it up. It's called Break the Rules, Break the Rules. He tears up and he says to me, you wouldn't have known that. I have to now finish that book on mission. I just was gonna push it to the side. 
because of my busyness and you weren't to know that and you stand up on a platform and go break the rules, break the rules. Only God can do that. Friends, God is real. And I look at around Australia and I'm gonna change this message from what I did at the 8.30 and you may wanna go and get the copy of that because I think there was prophetic things in that for this church. But I just feel to go in a different direction right now because I wanna make it personal to everybody in this room. This is not just about Pastor Tony and Kathy and the team leading by Revelation. It's about us partnering with Revelation, being a people that love the Word of God. We need to get off of Facebook a little bit and get into our faith book and come to the Bible with expectation and then meditation and then application of the Word that we read and journal with God. Can I encourage this church to journal with God? I travel around Australia and I see people committed at church that are not totally connected to Christ. Youth pastors and church planters that are in the gig of doing church and we've learned to do it well. We can put on a great show and it's great. It's fantastic. I'm not against doing things well. We need to, I'm, this morning, the presence of God in our worship here was just awesome. It was tangible and it was done with excellence. I'm glad the singers weren't singing out of tune. I was in New Zealand last week in a little country town. I'm in the middle of my preaching. Guy walks down the aisle, comes straight up to me and gawks at me, then stands behind me and starts fiddling with my mic. And I'm in the middle of preaching. Then a lady starts screaming in the audience with demonic demonstrations and no one's doing anything. And I go, oh gee, I don't know if I could come to a church like this every week. The guy that walked down the aisle, I thought he was gonna punch me. I thought he was angry at what I was preaching. I didn't see where the PA box was. I didn't know where he'd come from. He was just coming to fix my mic in the middle of my preaching. And I'm thinking, I'm glad we've learnt to do church good. I love how we do church here at Victory. Did you notice I said, we? We do church here at Victory. But I'm gonna share for a couple of minutes my own personal revelation that has kept me all my life through tragedy and through everything that we've been through. It's my favourite thing to speak on because I own it. I actually feel that this chapter in the Bible was written for me. It's Romans chapter 12 and it is written to the Italians because Romans were Italian. So it is written to the Italians. And I'm gonna do what I wasn't gonna do this morning, but I feel in the Holy Spirit right now, if you can write these words down. Revelation, separation, transformation, activation and demonstration. There's five Asians right there. And so Romans chapter 12 is the way that each one of us in this room can stay in Revelation. Let me explain. Romans chapter 12. I'll try to find it here. Here we are. And so dear brothers and sisters, this is my favourite passage in the Bible. You know, if you were to take my Bible away from me, I could do the rest of my life as a Christian with this one chapter. This one chapter. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will 
for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now we won't read the rest, but if you read the rest of the chapter, let me explain it point by point. It all starts with revelation. You know what really scares me a little bit? I've got to be that honest with you. I hope Tony doesn't mind me being this open and vulnerable, but everywhere I go now, I hear sermons on vision. It doesn't start with vision. When it comes to Christianity, it doesn't start with vision. People say to me, Danny, have you got a vision yet? I'm going to have lunch soon. <laughs> I'm the sort of guy that my vision doesn't take me much past lunchtime. And then what are we having for dinner? Uh, Sharon, while we're eating lunch, I'm thinking about what we're going to have for dinner. <laughs> if you leave me to my own devices, I just want to be with people and have fun. And I love God. And I want to be a good representative, but I don't have a vision for the next five and 10 and 27 church plants. No, let me tell you what happens. See what happens. It says in view of what He's done for you. A lot of people serve church without having the view of what He's done. I can only do what I do because of what He's done. So in view of what He's done, Revelation, I present my body to God as a living sacrifice, which is relationship. You see, revelation and relationship are the same thing. You get revelation from the relationship. So when God puts a dream in my heart, it's because I'm thankful for what He's done for me. And because of that, I've made myself available. Oh, you know, if I come on staff, Pastor Danny, how many nights a week will I be away from my family? It's the wrong question to ask. Because if you have a revelation of what He's done for you, He's committed to your family and He's going to make sure that you have enough for everything that you need to do. And if you don't, you're the idiot for not listening to Him. It's not God's fault. God is never to blame for not spending enough time with our kids. I did not spend enough with time with my kids when they were little because it was my fault, not God's. God was committed to my kids more than I was because I thought I had to be at the church, at the church, at the church. Let me tell you, when you have a revelation, you don't serve Him out of obligation, but you serve out of a heart that I want to. Around Australia, people are looking for opportunities to build churches, to plant churches, to take on youth ministries. But are you presenting your body to God in view of what He's done for you? So when Chris died, I had to ask the question, did I really have a revelation of Him? Did God know we were gonna go through what we went through before it all happened? I've heard the story of Greg and Jean Dalton standing up here on a Sunday night telling their story. Wherever you're sitting this morning, you're an inspiration. And you're an inspiration because of your revelation. Church doesn't do that. It's a revelation. It's a revelation. And so I learned many years ago that the minute I stopped doing what I'm doing, because of reason, I'm going downhill fast. But in view of what He's done, a revelation of who He is will affect what I do. So when there's revelation, there's separation. So you go from revelation to separation where you don't think like the world. See, the world says, position yourself in an organisation and do this and then they'll open doors for you. But my Bible says, be the least, be a servant. Serve God in obscurity. Not because you want Tony to notice it or Kathy to notice it or the church. No, he sees it because it's the least I can do to give my life to him as a living sacrifice. So revelation leads to separation from wrong thinking. That brings about a transformation. 
Something on the inside happens. I am not lying to you this morning. If God said to me in two months' time, next year, Danny, no more preaching, no more going around churches, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, and he says, go back to the men's where you know how many people in this city would think I failed? Do you know how many people would think, well, what happened to him? How does he go from pastoring a church to now selling undies in a menswear store? It was only a brief moment. Oh, 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 terrible, terrible, terrible. But ladies and gentlemen, do you know what success is? It's obedience. And every Christian's in ministry. Every Christian's a minister. I would gladly go back if that's what God wanted because that would be a promotion, not a demotion. Because I've had a revelation, there's been a separation from the wrong thinking. There's been a transformation. And now there's an activation. From verse 7 to verse 9 in Romans 12, there are seven motivational gifts where every one of us in this room has been gifted by God to bring something to the table. And as we look at those gifts, we self-start and self-realise. We don't need the church to ask us to do it. We just do it because we recognise that's on my life. That's not a platform ministry. That's a ministry of serving the body and one another, giving our gifts to one another, which we do in Monday church as well as Sunday church. And then the rest of the chapter, it says, love one another, not pretending, but really love. You know, show affection one to another. Be kind, be given to hospitality. In Romans 12, from verse 12 to the end of the chapter, you see the contrasting worlds. Don't pretend to love one another, really love one another because the world pretends. Sometimes in church we pretend. But let me tell you, we don't call to that. We're called to really love, to really care. And it doesn't matter whether we're in a platform, whether we're in a home group. Could the day happen at Victory Church that via revelation, something happens in your connect groups and someone has a need and people rally around and things begin to happen. And by the time Tony hears about it, the miracles already happened. And he doesn't need to hear about it because it's all within the vision of what's been cast in the church. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.